Well, big hello to everybody. Um, hopefully you have been enjoying your freedom over the last few weeks since the restrictions are easing. Um, I'm loving seeing all of the garden Instagram posts and Facebook posts of people just enjoying life. Uh, we're, we're almost there. We're almost there. And um, today is an exciting day because we are launching a brand new series today called Rhythms. And um, as Demi would have explained to you before, and you could see what the series is all about and also the amazing devotional reading plan that we're going to be going through together as a church following every single one of these messages. But today, as we unpack this, the first rhythm that we want to talk about, this key to a healthy life that's found in the right rhythms is this word called grace. Grace. Now, even as I said that, maybe maybe you've just shut off completely. Maybe the screensavers come on because you're like, oh, grace. I know what grace is. This is so basic. But really, I know it's become such a common word that we all use. And, you know, before we eat our steak, we say grace. You know, the bank gives a grace period. Um, we name babies grace. Any graces in the chat? Let me know if you're if you're there. Uh, Queen Elizabeth, we call her your grace. Uh, we sing songs about amazing grace. I know we're all a bit graced out in terms of the word, but really, do we understand what it is and truly how amazing it is? Like, do, do we actually understand what grace means and what grace has done? Uh, the word amazing means staggering, bewildering, shocking, stunning. Can we say that we truly believe that about grace? Have you really made your sense about grace? Um, before before lockdown happened, Demi and I, we went on a date when we could kind of date out, you know, rather than kind of the date is we're in the living room, we moved to the next room, you know, the lockdown dates. Um, and we went to the cinema. And um, at the cinema, um, I it was my job, you know, on our date nights. Demi and I, we have a date night every week and we rotate. So whose role it is to get the date set up? It's your job. And you spoil me, you know? And so it was my turn. So I'm like, I'm taking you to the cinema, babe. I'm, I'm going all out. We're getting large popcorn and large drinks. And um, so I booked everything online and, um, and I, I bought my tickets. And so we're ready to go. We show up at the cinema. And when we arrived at the cinema, I had my tickets. I was so proud. This is the date night. We had a beautiful meal beforehand. And so we get there and I show the ticket. And as I show the ticket to the guy, the guy's like, well, he's trying to scan it. And he's like, this, this isn't working. I'm like, hold on, no, this, I, I bought this online. And so I'm like, babe, sorry, one moment. And so I'm, I'm pulling the receipt out. And I'm like, look, I bought this online. He said, no, you did. And so we're trying, we're watching, looking at the receipt. I'm like, but I don't understand what's, what's not working. And he said, ah, oh, mate, you've, you've, you've booked it for tomorrow. I'm like, oh. Are you, are you kidding me? This whole time, and I booked the tickets for the wrong date. We missed the movie because I, Daryl, overlooked some details. And that's so often the truth with grace is that we can miss grace, miss the concept of it, miss how amazing it is because we've overlooked some of the details. And in Hebrews 12, 15, it says, see to it that no one misses the grace of of God. No one misses the grace of God. No, to, to miss something implies that you're in the proximity, but you didn't just catch, you didn't catch it. Yeah, we have the ability to get it, 
but we don't. So maybe, maybe you're like, this is unimportant, this is simple. Well, why are there so many of us who still have a fear of failure or are walking with shame or condemnation or religiosity or we're carrying something against somebody else? Well, it's because we've missed grace. It's because we've missed what grace actually is because I believe that grace has the ability to not just turn our world upside down but to consistently keep it that way. Grace is mentioned in the Bible 170 times. That's a lot of times, 170 times. But the first time it was ever mentioned, it was in Genesis. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. And you know, in scripture, the first introductions are also always so intentional and always so important. And so at the time, mankind had got dark, like had got really dark and were doing their own thing. And God's heart's broken. He could see that mankind's heart and intentions were evil, and so he sends a flood. Now, I know that sounds extreme, and maybe like, well, why would a loving God, why would he send a flood? But we've seen moments. If we're really honest with ourselves, we've seen moments throughout history, like what the Nazis did to the Jews, when slaves were taken from Africa, or the Rwandan genocide, or um, you know, people trafficking that happens daily. I'm sure there are moments, if we're honest with ourselves, we would say, God, send a flood, send a flood. In the middle of the darkness, it says in Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So this is our first introduction to Noah. You can go back there and read it yourself. We don't see anything else about Noah. That is the first line about Noah, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We don't know what he looks like. (laughs) We don't know what he's done. All we know is that God looked at Noah with grace. Grace put simply, it means the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. So so when God asks Noah to build an ark, that's what happens afterwards. He says, no, I want you to build an ark. Even though I'm sending a flood, I still want you to build this flotation device with enough space for extra people and for animals. You know, you may know the song, the animals came in two by two. You know, he wanted to fill this ark with, with, with animals and with people and Noah gets to work day and night, building this ark at the request of God. But it's important for us to realize that God gave Noah grace before he even picked up a hammer and nails. That God gave Noah grace before he even helped to rescue, before he even listened to God. Because often we can slip into this thinking that grace is something that God gives when we make him happy or when we obey him. But no, Noah found grace because God found Noah. Grace meets people and is for people, wherever you are, whoever you are. And in Luke 15, where we're going to spend the rest of the time together, Jesus shares a parable, which means a story, which is is pretty scandalous, if I'm really honest. Uh, It was actually one of the scriptures, I believe, that got Jesus killed because it was so outrageous what Jesus was doing. Because I always used to think, like, why did people... Why did they kill Jesus? Like, he seemed like a really nice guy. Like, if you read the Gospels, it's like he's, he's curing diseases. You know, he's helping the poor. He's helping the widow. Like, he was a working man. Like, you don't want to kill that guy. Like, he's a good guy to keep around. But it's because what Jesus did in his time on earth, three years in ministry, is he was deconstructing the world and then reconstructing it the way that it was intended to be by God. And Luke 15 was really where he began to dig in 
And in Luke 15 verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. So let me stop there for a minute, because you've got to see the picture as we read this together. There's two groups of people that are gathered around Jesus. The first group are tax collectors. Now, to understand tax collectors, because I know we're probably now just thinking about, you know, taxes if you're a small business owner. No, 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 no. This, is, this was a different breed back then for tax collectors. And to understand tax collectors, you've got to understand Rome, Rome of the day. They were the superpower. They had control from India to England. And they, it was hard for them to maintain that power. And so what they, they were a brutal people. What they did was, was horrible. And they ruled with fear and with power. And they needed money to, to keep their armies in control of the people. And so what they did is they hired some Jewish tax collectors, Jewish men to be tax collectors. And so they would be funding that brutal regime. Imagine if you lived next door to someone who was doing that, your next door neighbor, who you have seen what Rome has been doing to, to the people that you love, maybe people that you know. And these people are collecting money from you to pay for a regime that was harming so many people. Imagine the hate that those people would have received. Imagine how the tax collectors would have been treated. They were a despised people. And so you can see that. Keep that in your mind. You had this tax collectors who are these despised people in society. Imagine how that would feel to know that hatred is towards you. And then you've got, on the other hand, you have sinners. So you have tax collectors, you have sinners. This is what the Bible says. Sinners, again, maybe you're thinking, well, I'm a sinner, which we, we are. But this was actually, back then, it was classed as a people group. Like sinners was a literally classes of race they would call people sinners and sinners were typically people who had ailments or diseases or had jobs of ill repute people had this horrible thought that if somebody was in that category um, maybe they were deaf maybe they were blind then they were classed as sinners because of their family their family did something they sinned against god and now these people are the fruit of sin and so you've got these people that are not just like sinners maybe in the sense that you would think but these are just like the church <laughs> a lot like today so this group of people that is surrounding Jesus right now as Jesus is about to share this parable is very much like us <laughs> it is this group of people from all different walks all different experiences you have tax collectors and you have sinners so you have this crazy crowd and in verse 2 it shows that there's a there's a third group that's there but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Pharisees and religious teachers of the law. That's the third group of people. Now, let me tell you a truth. If you think that you're committed to your faith, let me be honest, these guys were better than us. Like They were so committed to their faith. They had the first five books of the Bible completely memorized. These guys would fast on automation. Like These guys were so religious so religious so you've got to keep in mind who's listening you've got these three groups of people okay you've got these guys who are like uber uber religious you've got sinners which basically people that are in all different walks of life and then you have you know the first group of people tax collectors collectors who have been despised by people that's just the context then we jump in verse 11 it says this and he said so jesus starts sharing the parable there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father father Give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. 
Not many days later, the youngest son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he'd spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and sent him, uh, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Let, let me pause there for a minute. Um, how do you think the tax collectors, remember this is a story that Jesus is telling a crowd of people. How do you think the tax collectors and the sinners in the crowd are hearing this story? They're probably saying, I can relate. You know, I'm, I'm in that place. I'm disconnected. Um, no one's given me anything. You know, I'm, I can connect with this guy. Now, what do you think the third group the religious leaders and the, and the Pharisees are thinking. Tell the others in the crowd, Jesus, that, that's them. They're the sons. They're the ones you're talking about. Get them good. Get them good, God. Uh, you you, you want to see where your heart is at today or is when, when you hear a message, maybe on a Sunday or listen to a podcast or someone says something and you're constantly thinking about the, the next person who needs to hear that challenging thought instead of you seeing it for yourself and in your own life. That's where we begin to slip into a bit of a Pharisee thinking. But Jesus, Jesus is about to turn everyone's world upside down with an amazing grace, an amazing grace. And in this account, there are so many, so many moments of grace that Jesus is about to talk to this crowd that represents the church, it looks like us. Um, and so Jesus is sharing this to a crowd that looks like us and the son does sin. So this son, he sins. He goes against his father. He's like, dad, I want everything that you have. I'm, I'm leaving. But grace is upside down. So this is the first thing we've got to understand about grace is that in this account that Jesus is sharing, grace lets the son go. Grace lets the son leave. Because the son is not in control of his father. Like my son, Eli, he doesn't control me. I'm sure if he could control me a little bit like you heard from Demi, like we would be outside. He would just be eating as much sugar as possible. He would be watching so much TV until he's brain fried. That's what my son would do if it was up to him. And so the, father, the son does not control the father. The father could have said to his son, oh, you want your share? Go to your room. You know, like, oh, really? Is that what you want? Oh, okay. Well, no TV for a month. You know, it could have been. He could have laid the law down. But in his grace, he let his son go. He let him exhaust himself. And I know that might sound like a spin out. How is that grace? Well, Psalm 81 verse 12, it says, So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. Romans 8.20, For the creation was subjected to futility, which means foolishness, but in hope. In hope. In other words, God's grace is that we have the power to choose. God doesn't want a robotic love. Love is not love without choice. We are not robots. So grace isn't that he stops you. No, grace is that he waits for you. And that's what the father did. In grace, he lets his son go, but in grace, he waits for when his son comes back. So he's like, if, okay, if you think this will sustain you, it breaks my heart to let you go, but okay, if you think that this relationship is healthy for you, okay, it hurts me, but okay, if you think that drugs and alcohol is gonna be the way to numb this, okay, if that's what you think, but 
I'll, I'll wait for you. But when you wake up and when you come to your senses, I'll still be here. That's God. That is the grace of God, that God never abandons us. He never leaves us. And in verse 17, he goes on and says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, dad, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He's, he's practicing his speech, basically, like what he's going to say when he gets back to dad. And now, remember, let's go back to the crowd, because remember, this is a story that's being shared. The tax collectors and the sinners are thinking, okay, what, what, what does it look like to kind of brush over this mistake then? You know, they're waiting for Jesus, hanging on his word, like, Jesus, what does it look like to pay back that mistake to your dad? Am I now a servant? And the religious people who are there, you know, sure, they're thinking, okay, if he's coming back, if his dad's going to let him come back, then the punishment better be harsh. It better be really harsh. Everyone is hanging on the words of Jesus of this story, like what is about to happen next? And so the son practicing his speech, let me at least be a servant. I'll sleep outside. I will work for you. And the tax collectors and prostitution are thinking, okay, uh, what's this going to cost to be reconnected to God? And now this is where it just gets outrageous. <laughs> this is just where it gets scandalous. In verse 20, it says, and he arose and came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. This, this is insane. This is the same guy that says, give me my money. He takes the money. He blows it. He mocks the father's name. He comes to his senses. He tries to work for his dad. But his dad is so compassionate and so gracious that he doesn't even listen to the end of the speech. He's like, I'm not having it. As he's going through his speech, he's like, robe, ring, dancing. So loud that the brother could hear their dancing. That is some serious dancing. That's the kind of dancing that I'm sure there's going to be when we're able to get back together in a room together, home church, where you can hear the dancing, the celebration. This is upside down. No, to be honest, this is right side up because that's amazing grace that the father won't let you pick up the bill. It's all paid for. There's no speech or dance to win God. You don't need to do something, be something to impress God, to receive his grace, the empowering grace, to receive forgiveness, to receive anything from God. God does it solely from a place of love. Grace is a free gift. You know, the word grace in the Greek is charis, charis. And, and the term charis is like a doing word. It's an active word. It is like, it's like negotiating a deal, like brokering a deal. And so Jesus is the broker. When grace comes in, Jesus is the broker in every scenario. And we need to think the same way in our own lives, where we go, if we, if we understand personal grace for us from Jesus, that he brokered a deal for you, for your life, for everything that you've done wrong, he applied grace. He brokered it. He sorted it out. He fixed it, paid the bill. 
then why is it that we struggle to have grace for others? That we struggle to broker the deal for others? Because look, here's the truth. Romans 3.24, but by the free gift of God's grace, all are put right with him through Christ Jesus who sets them free. A gift stops being a gift when you can contribute to it. It's because of Jesus. Grace showed up for you and it will keep on showing up. Is that good news? Let me know in the chat if that's good news, that grace will continue to show up for you. Now, this understanding of grace, it changes everything because this grace now goes beyond mercy. It's bigger than mercy. Mercy means he holds back what you do deserve. And grace means he gives you what you don't deserve. And we see it throughout the Bible as we wrap up. Mercy was when mercy gave Ruth some food, but grace gave her husband a home. Mercy gave the prodigal son that we just read a second chance, but grace threw him a party. Mercy prompted the Samaritan to bandage the wounds of the victim, but grace prompted him to leave his credit card as payment for care. Mercy forgave the thief on the cross, but grace escorted him into paradise. Mercy pardons us and grace welcomes us. And this should change how we see ourselves, how we see the people around us, as we see our wrongs, as we see other people's wrongs. Grace will change everything. Grace will change your engagement in our church because church isn't to keep God happy because showing up is not a payment to God. Because when you understand grace, I no longer show up to keep God uh, to keep God good because I show up because I know how good God is. It changes everything. Grace today is towards you. And wherever you are in your walk of life, Maybe you have missed grace. My prayer is that it becomes a revelation to you today that we've received something from God that we don't deserve, something that we haven't earned, but is a free gift that God gives to all people. And so today, I'd love to pray with you wherever you are. If you're saying, look, God, I want this deep revelation and understanding of grace. I want this to be real to me. I want this to be real. I'm going to pray for you. So, Father, I pray for each person who's watching today. I pray that that rhythm of grace, Lord, that understanding of grace, personally from a connection with you, will be continuous, Lord, but equally the giving of grace to others, that same grace that you gave to us that put a robe on our back and a ring on our hand when we didn't deserve it, gave us a new beginning. We thank you so much for the grace of God. And here's the amazing thing today, that the grace of God is for all all people. Yeah, all all people. That includes you watching today. Maybe for you, you'd say, I'm not a Christian. Uh, This is all new to me. Well, that grace is towards you. God's like, "I I don't need to know all of your wrongs. All I need today is your yes, that you say, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to know you. And so we'd love to do that today. It would be my greatest honor to connect you to this God who changed my life with his grace. So if you're watching and you're saying, Darren, I want to be in this relationship with God. I want to receive the grace of God. All we're going to do is I want you to close your eyes. We're going to pray a prayer. I want you to repeat after me. And simply from that moment, a connection with your Savior will start. So come on, let's close our eyes. So Father, today, I thank you for Jesus. And I choose to follow you. Amen.